Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the Wrestle Addict Radio Network. Radio Network. Hey, what's up, you guys? What is going on, everybody? What up, fam? Hey, it's me. What up, oozes? What's up, guys? This is the Monday Night Delight. Are you looking for a network that brings you all things pro wrestling? Then look no further. Wrestle Addict Radio brings you a varied source of wrestling content. What's going on, guys? This is Willie T. My name is Mr. Pratt. This is your resident smart slayer. Search for Wrestle Addict Radio on all major podcast platforms and be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Buzz, buzz, guys. My name is Kate Murphy of the Kings of the Ring podcast and you are listening. And you're listening. And you're listening. And you are listening. And you are listening. Get ready for a war because you're listening. Come join the war each and every week as we fight to keep wrestling real. What's up, everybody? This is King Ricky Rose and you are listening to Wrestle Addict Radio. Radio, radio, radio. I had only intended to watch two matches on the Stomping Grounds pay-per-view. And yes, this is the entire Stomping Grounds review in the cold open to the show. I only intended to watch Seth and Baron and Kofi and Dolph. Because they're the world titles. Supposedly they are the most important titles of the show. And yes, I should be giving fair time to Alexa and Bailey. And to be fair, I actually ended up watching that one later and Becky and Lacey, and I ended up watching that one because of the circumstances you're about to hear. But my intent was to watch two matches. I ended up watching five. I watched both women's matches. One was fine, one was fine. And I watched both world title matches, Dolph and Kofi. It was exactly what you'd expect from those two guys. Uh, The finish was fantastic, but looked stupid on Kofi's part. Not, he didn't look stupid. He looked like he made a stupid decision that would have cost him his arm. And then Seth and Baron. Um, the choice of Lacey Evans as the guest referee. Not bad. It's not a bad choice at all. It it worked in the storyline and she played a decent heel ref. Not decent enough to completely screw Seth Rollins out of his title. And in the end where Becky comes out and saves her man. He retains his title. They have this cutesy little moment together and leave together. If you didn't like that, you just don't believe in happy endings. And I didn't believe in happy endings until recently. But that's what happens when you live with someone who reads romance novels. They like happy endings. You start to like happy endings. And happy endings are so very rare in WWE shows that it was refreshing to watch Seth and Becky walk out under their own power together. No stretcher, no fear of Brock Lesnar, just happiness. But that's not the point of this story. The point of this story is we're at Walmart, we're just about to leave, a tornado warning hits, and we have to go to the break room of a Walmart. And while we're back there, I'm like, well, as long as I'm here, phone out, headphones in, click on WWE Network app, and coming to the ring, Drew Gulak, Akira Tozawa, and Tony Nese. And I am very glad I turned this match on because this match was fantastic. I don't watch 205 Live. The only time I ever see Cruiserweight matches are at live events. I saw uh, Cedric and I believe Mustafa Ali last year at WrestleMania. Great match. I saw Nice and Buddy Murphy this year at WrestleMania. Great match. I saw a whole episode of 205 Live at a SmackDown taping. It, it lost something in the, in the translation there. 
But this match was really good. And Drew Gulak winning that title, especially after just watching him and Kushida have that great submission match, totally on board with that. Am I going to start watching 205 Live? No, I have too much next to get right now. But I am glad, and I will actually try to pick up these Cruiserweight matches on the pre-show of these pay-per-views because it was more intriguing than anything else on the show. So there you go. There's your full Stomping Grounds review. I'm not even going to discuss it on the main show. And before we get too much farther into this, let me just remind you that this is the Gift Podcast. Hey folks, my name is Mr. Fretz, host of the Fretzelmania podcast, and you're listening to Wrestle Attic Radio. What's up guys? This is the podcast. I am the Monday Night Delight, and we are not talking about Raw or SmackDown from last week, except that it appears that Bray Wyatt is loose in the cosmos. Whoever could stop him. That's the only thing I care about on the main roster at all right now, with the exception of Alexa Bliss screwing over Nikki Cross. The timer is ticking down. At some point, she is going to step on the wrong side of that little crazy Scottish lady. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to get there. But I don't care about the rest of the main roster, and that's good, because I have too much else to cover on this show. I want to say this, though. I am very much enjoying getting all this next. These NXT shows are renewing my love of wrestling. With that being said, let's get into NXT June the 19th, 2012. This, of course, emanating from the beautiful Download Festival in Random Field, England. Where are my notes? This notebook's getting awfully full. Nitro from July. Okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm getting there. Did you guys know that Nitro takes place in this time warp where you can not miss any shows and feel like you've missed over a month of shows? Before we even get to NXT, I'm going to complain about this. Last week, I reviewed Bash at the Beach, which I'm not going to get into it again, but I said very plainly that only Russo, Hogan, and Jarrett knew what really happened. It's clear from the Nitro I'm going to review tonight that nobody else knew what was happening in WCW the next night. It was a nightmare of a show that combined nonsensical booking, boring matches, and the fact that half... Well, not half. That, that, that's overestimating. Hogan's not there, clearly. There was no Nash. Sting was there dressed up like noir Spider-Man. It's clear that the entire show has changed overnight... And no one cares. We've reached the lame duck portion of WCW. Now, I knew that WCW died when I started this. I'm not an idiot. And I knew that WCW died at the finger poke of doom. Also, not an idiot. But it seems like after Bash at the Beach, they stopped trying. And now I'm into the stopped trying portion of WCW. Or at least that's what it seems. Maybe next week it'll be back to its wacky antics and, and 30 second segments, 12 crammed into 2 minutes. But this week, it was a trial and a chore to get through this WCW. Not this, it's not this frantic paced, you, it's hard to explain. 
I love these WCW reviews because of how indignant, uh, righteously indignant I get. And this week, none of that. Because this is just a bad, boring show. We'll get to it. We will. But let's get back to what I, I was saying. Random Field England, NXT UK, June the 19th. They do a recap of British Strong Style versus Imperium from the week before. And then they bring out Kenny Williams and Cassius Ono. I don't know who Kenny Williams is. I believe he was the smiley guy from last week. And then Cassius Ono comes out. I've seen Cassius Ono in, in person. I've seen him on TV. I don't much care for Cassius Ono. This was your basic battle of power versus speed. And Cassius Ono just beat this dude down. He got a few hope spots, but Cassius Ono caught him on a dive, hit a knockout blow from behind, and pinned him. Not bad. Not great. Kind of a boring match. Imperium comes out. This is normally a great thing, but two problems. One, the screen that they stood in front of, you got a real good shot of them walking up to it and they're not all in shadows. That destroys a little something of that intro. And two, they're all wearing fashionable tracksuits. Don't like that. I want them to be dressed, I mean... When they step out there, these two Germans, one Austrian and one Italian, called Imperium, I want them in almost faux military uniforms. I want them in, you know, just bespoke from head to toe. That Christopher Daniels thing that he wears sometimes, the the oddly military type outfit, put them in that. Or put Walter in his ring robe all the time. You know, it, that would be great. But... Fashionable tracksuits, no good for this supposedly domineering faction. Didn't care for the tracksuits. However, they got to the ring. They picked up the microphones. Bartell says that they are here to restore honor to NXT UK. Eichner says that they uh, are now complete with the addition of Alexander Wolf, and they are, uh, and we, as the NXT UK universe, will obey. Alexander Wolf says that NXT UK is no longer a playground. They will protect the legacy of pro wrestling. And Walter finally gets on the mic, announces that Travis Banks' title match will be next week. But Travis Banks is a fool if he believes he can beat Walter. Should be a good match. Banks comes out, says he absolutely will defeat Walter. The Hunt versus Gallus. Uh, I said last time the hunt was on, I kind of love them. This week, they're they're okay. Uh, Gallus, though, a couple of big tattooed-up hairy dudes just pounded on two smaller tattooed-up hairy dudes. Always good to see there. Coffee and Boar started. Uh, he had a full Nelson slam on the board pretty quickly. They tagged in Wolfgang. They got the heat on Boar. Primate got the hot tag. Ran wild, but immediately Wolfgang sends him out of the ring. Coffee takes out the Wild Boar on the outside. They hit a dropkick power slam on Primate and pin him. They beat down Boar afterwards, but then the real star of this match, Dave Mastiff, runs down, and they run from Dave Mastiff as well they should. So we'll see where this goes. I can see some great big hairy man matches from these six guys. Should be a good time. Mustache Mountain is getting a title match against... Uh, the grizzled young vets shoes off, apparently, for the Scouse. 
Hashtag GOP UK crew. And then the Women's Battle Royal. That's what I love about these shows. I made it through NXT that quickly. There were, I believe, 12 girls in this match. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I might be missing one. I don't know. I, we'll run down here in a second. Uh, who I do have is Zia Brookside, Ginny, Jazzy Gabbert, Rhea Ripley, Piper Nivens, Kaylee Ray, Killer Kelly, Isla Dawn, Candy Floss, Rhea, or excuse me, Rio, and Kanji. I feel like I'm forgetting one. It does not matter because that person did not win if I did forget her. Jazzy immediately takes out Kanji and Rhea. Let's Jenny take out Candy Floss. KLR, Kaylee Ray gets tossed between the ropes. And my first thought was, well, we're doing the same finish we're doing to every single Battle Royal. More on that in a second. Piper and Zia Brookside take out Jazzy Gabbard. Piper and Zia and Isla take out Ginny. But Ginny, uh, Jazzy keeps her from being eliminated, puts her back in the ring. And immediately, Zia takes her out and eliminates her. Rhea Ripley takes out Isla Dawn and Killer Kelly. Piper takes out Nina Samuels. There's number uh, number 12. I knew there were 12 girls in this match. Piper and Ripley square off. That's a great fight. I could do with some more Piper Niven and Rhea Ripley matches. No problem there. Um, they go to the outside apron like idiots in a battle royal. And Zia Brookside takes them out. She's the winner. But surprise, Kaylee Ray. Kaylee Ray is the winner. She has a future title opportunity against Tony Storm. We don't know when, but sometime after now, it'll be Kaylee Ray versus Tony Storm. I, I don't know if that means. Hopefully, that means at Takeover Cardiff, right? But there's a lot of time between now and, Oct and August the thirty-first. So is it going to be like in four weeks she gets this title because Travis Banks won the title match last week and next week he's having it. So I feel like. Due to the lack of takeovers, especially in the UK brand, they should be spacing these out a little farther. But they're not, and, and what can you do? Good show all around. The Battle Royal was fun. Um, I enjoyed the Imperium promo. The other stuff, it was a festival. It was a live, it was a house show. And it felt like a house show. NXT, June 19th, 2019. I don't know why I said it like that. It's the same day. Adam Cole, the NXT champion, and the Undisputed Era enter. Cole picks up a mic and very plainly says, Told you so. And that is just as good as Roman Reigns' Smyard now. So, very good, Adam Cole. Said that uh, the Undisputed Era is going to take all the gold, and they're not starting at the bottom. They're starting at the top, and they're taking the top guy's prize. And if you get in their way, they will make you regret it. They're going to remake NXT in their undisputed image. They they debut the NXT logo star or not logo intro starring only the undisputed era and you know what? It's fantastic. They need to find some way to take over the show for at least one week where that's what you see because it was very well done. It was beautiful. Keep that up. Cole calls out the entire locker room, Commissioner Regal, and most intriguingly, Triple H as people who cannot touch the Undisputed Era. 
that Triple H thing there, that worries me a little. Because you call out Hunter, Hunter's one that will answer the call. Could we be leading up to a future match between Adam Cole and Triple H at a takeover? Maybe Hunter's not going to wrestle at Survivor Series, but maybe he'll wrestle Adam Cole at NXT TakeOver Chicago. Or NXT TakeOver Toronto. Or Tampa next year. Seeds planted? Maybe. Overthinking? Maybe. Could be fun, though. Velveteen Dream comes out and says that he would like to touch Adam Cole. I'm like, well, well done, Velveteen Dream. He wants the NXT title. Roddy says, you don't deserve the NXT title or the North American title around your waist. Before he can answer, Matt Riddle comes out. Says that he's beaten Roddy and he's beaten Cole and he wants a match as well. Cole calls out Matt Riddle for calling out Goldberg on Twitter. Says the Attitude Era is over and your era is never going to begin. They are building something there with Matt Riddle and Goldberg. If they didn't want him to do it, if they didn't have a plan or didn't have an idea of a plan or something, they would stop this in its tracks. And they are bringing it up on NXT. Something is going to happen. NXT... Matt Riddle, Goldberg, something. Something's coming. Before Riddle can answer that, though, Tyler Breeze comes out. Says he built NXT before any of these other six idiots were even here. Says that Regal has booked a six-man for the end of the night. The Undisputed Era versus Dream, Breeze, and Matt Riddle. And that's how that ends. You know, Riddle is good with it. And you can see Dream not quite so happy to be teaming. With his last two takeover opponents. We'll see how this goes in just a minute. Video package. Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler. They are going to be having their title match next week. Raul Mendoza versus Damian Priest. Damian Priest, of course, Punishment Martinez comes out. Shoots an invisible arrow at the screen. And his name lights up in fire. I kind of love that. Uh, Great song. Great screen. Comes out, kicks the living crap out of Raul Mendoza. Just boot face dead. He, uh, hits an ear, he claps his ears, slams him down, and that should have been it. But it wasn't. Mendoza had to do a couple flippy moves before he caught another huge kick and a choke slam and a rolling cutter for the win. He won, that's the important part, but I really feel like Raul Mendoza got too much offense against Damian Priest here. But it does make men, it does make Priest look like a big scary man. William Regal announces the NXT Breakout Tournament. Eight guys from the Performance Center will be in a tournament, single elimination, and one of them will get a title opportunity of their choosing. The eight men are, and I have, and what's really interesting is, except for one called Boa, who may be a WWE homegrown talent, or might be his indie circuit name, everyone else had their formerly known as name. There's Jordan Miles, who of course was ACH, Boa, Cameron Grimes, who was Trevor Lee, Swerve Scott, which first of all, hate that name, hate Swerve Scott, 
That'd be Shane Strickland. Dexter Loomis, who was Sam Shaw. I do appreciate that you combined two mass murderer horror movie villain names for the guy who used to stalk Christy Hemme through the backstage of Impact. Dexter from Dexter and Loomis, both the doctor from Halloween and I believe the male protagonist of Psycho. Bronson Reed, who is Jonah Rock, Angel Garza, who is Umberto Garza, and Joaquin Wilde, the former DJZ. So that starts next week, I believe. I know DJZ's in the match. I think he's taking on Bronson Reed, if I'm not mistaken. If I'm wrong, I'll tell you next week. Video package, hyping up Mia Yim. Tenara Conchi versus Zaya Lee. This had very good May Young classic feels. I was looking for Cody's big giant head down in the left-hand corner. He wasn't there, unfortunately. Mauro says the words new blood, and my brain goes, Nitro, Nitro, you have to watch Nitro in a minute. I almost had a little conniption fit there. Uh, they had a test of strength that rolled into a, two, a near fall. That was weird. And let me say this about both these girls. Tenara Conti, when Conchi, when she was doing her Brazilian jiu-jitsu stuff, she was on point awesome stuff. Her throws, her holds, very good. When Zia Lee was doing her wushu kung fu stuff, her kicks, her movements flowed great, looked amazing. When they were wrestling, they're green as grass. They need some more time, and they need to work with some people who are not green as they are to to level up, for lack of a better term. But not altogether bad. Zaylee won with a big heel kick, one of her wushu spinny kicks. Well done there. Video package. The Street Profits are partying with their titles out front. They have a parade. It's one car in front of Full Sail. But it's a parade, god dang it. Uh, they will face the Forgotten Sons next week on NXT. It's at this point I noticed there are two old people in the front of, in the front row on the hard camera side. Two people clearly in their late 50s, early 60s. They are having a ball. They are loving NXT. Good on them. Uh, I want to be that old man with, uh, with an old lady, not my old lady. And I know there's one listener flipping out because I said it that way. With an old lady at my side, just loving wrestling, having a good time. These old people, when Matt Riddle came out in a, a second later, were going, bro, bro, bro. Just like we were in the Barkley Center. I love it. I love it. Pro wrestling is for everyone. It's so good. Main event, Breeze, Riddle and Dream versus The Undisputed Era. Cole, Roddy, and Fish. Uh, O'Reilly on the outside. The first part of this match broke off into three face-offs. You start out with Breeze versus Strong. Very good. No problems with that whatsoever. Then you had Dream versus Fish. Good for the most part, but Dream went for his Cabrata, the moonsault off the middle rope. And he landed knee first on Rod, on uh, Bobby Fish's face. And Bobby Fish came up holding his face. You see the ref check him. He gives the all-clear sign to the back, but later on you see this huge shiner on on Bobby Fish's face. So, be careful, Breeze. 
And then Riddle and Cole face off, and that was, I mean, whew, mu- music. It was that flowed. They countered. They had a counter for everything. They had a hold, a reversal, a drop kick, a slam. So very, very good. It broke out into a brawl. Cole and Riddle, as much as I just praised them, as much as I just praised them for flowing so well, they did this suplex into a backstabber that may have worked exactly like they wanted it to because no one got hurt, there were no problems, but it looked bad. And so I'm thinking maybe it should have it should have been a little smoother or maybe they messed up. But no one got hurt. They came out on the other side. They get the heat on Matt Riddle. Cole stomps on Riddle's feet and my wife in the room goes, well, he should be wearing boots. And then Mauro Ronaldo goes, one of the problems of wrestling barefoot. And I was like, okay, honey, you, you can do this job too. Hot tag Tyler Breeze. Uh, he had, I mean, he has fish laid out with the beauty shot. He's going to win the match, but Roderick Strong pulls him out. Velveteen Dream blind tags himself in, takes out Cole, but turns right around into the lumbar check from Roderick Strong. And Strong pins Dream. The heels win. And you just see Tyler Breeze start to fume a little bit. We're not done with Dream and Breeze. Not by a long shot. And that's awesome. I love that Tyler Breeze is still here. I love that Alexander Wolf is in NXT. And I know that coming up... Uh, I don't know who, who... I can't remember who he wrestles. But Killian Dane will be back in NXT soon. The guys they couldn't do anything with are getting a chance to have something done with them. Please do something with Eric Young on the main roster, besides the 24-7 title. Do something else with with him, and, and give all these guys insanity, and all the guys who, who didn't get a chance on the main roster, let them have a chance in NXT. And if you don't have anything for them on the main roster, and you don't have anything for them on the NXT roster, do the, the reasonable thing, and let them go find work elsewhere. Because I, I know you're still paying them, but that's what WCW did. And as we're about to discuss, it did not work. All right, off my soapbox. Let's go to the Nitro Review. Nitro from July the 10th, the year of our Lord 2000. After the cavalcade of nonsense the night before, they produce boring stuff. Let's begin. Recap of Booker winning the title and this huge video package of his history in WCW leading up to him hoisting the title the night before at Bash at the Beach. First of all, well done. You you built a new star. You want to make him a big deal. Great. But let me ask you this. And let me refer to my own experiences. I didn't watch pay-per-views regularly until I was 20. When this came on, I was 13. I watched one, two... At best, three pay-per-views a year. WrestleMania, uh, SummerSlam, and then usually one throughout the year. When I was watching WCW, I only picked up matches in, in, or shows if they were really important shows. World War Three, the the Starcade where Nash beat Goldberg. DDP teaming with Karl Malone. DDP teaming with Jay Leno. I watched those. I would not have watched Bash at the Beach. There was nothing to get me to watch Bash at the Beach. So I would have tuned into Nitro this night if I was still watching this garbage back then. And they would have told me that 
Booker T had won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. And I would have looked at the TV and said, how did that happen? And they would not have told me right here. We start the show, and it cuts to the announcers. They're talking about the night before, and they say, there's so much that happened last night, legally, we can't tell you about it. But Booker T is the World Heavyweight Champion. How? How did this happen? Tell me. Pretend I didn't know. Nope. No good. Booker T comes to the ring. He has the WCW World Heavyweight title belt. Comes out. He thinks his mother and wishes that she were alive to see this moment. Very poignant. Very good. Calls out Goldberg. Says that he's a mark for himself. And just because he got a little scratch on his arm. Shouldn't be sitting out for six months. And I, I disagree with Booker here. Goldberg tore his arm off at the elbow nearly. He should have been sitting out for a little bit. Thanks his wife. I was like, oh, great, Charmel. And then I show the lady. Not Charmel. Different wife. Stevie Ray comes out. Says that if not for him, Booker never would have made it in the business. But instead of making it a confrontation, says he's proud of Booker. He loves Booker. They hug. And then starts... Scott Steiner's music hits, and Medeja comes out, says that Scott Steiner is the only real man in WCW, and then Steiner appears and kills Booker and Stevie with a bat. Steiner was a good guy, last I checked. I didn't watch the entirety of the pay-per-view. I didn't watch every single moment. Apparently, Steiner cost Nash his match with Goldberg. I had no idea, no clue that that happened. I didn't watch that part of the pay-per-view. And they didn't tell me because legally they couldn't. So Scott Sander just all of a sudden, just a jerk. He's just he's just killing people with bats. After the break, Booker sends Stevie and his wife away. Pam interviews Jeff Jarrett, says that the cat threw him a curveball last night when he booked the match with Booker T. The cat? No, sir. Whatever Vince Russo's logic here for saying the cat booked Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett at the match. They're making it sound that Jeff Jarrett beat Hulk Hogan and the cat came out and said, here's Booker. He's got some sort of 2000 era money in the bank contract. He's getting a match right now. No, that's not what happened. Russo came out and said, we're going to have this match. Jarrett's still the champion and there's a guy busting his tail off every week. It's Booker T. He gets the title match. Where was Russo? They barely mentioned Russo on this show. Uh, I, I don't understand the logic. I don't understand the logic of denying what happened. And I, I know part of it is that Hulk Hogan filed suit the next day. He filed suit against the incendiary remarks that Vince Russo made. But most of them were pre-planned. The only thing that Hogan said, or that, that was said that Hogan didn't know what was going to be playing was that he was bald. And he's bald! And, and the fact that that suit lasted for three years against Turner and against Russo and got thrown out because it was proven that it's all scripted except for the word bald. So they couldn't even say Vince Russo said these things. They were covering their own butt. Steiner arrives, kills Jarrett with a bat. Uh, Pam runs off, yells, Security! Hang on to that. Shane Douglas with Tori comes out. Apparently Tori turned on Buff the night before. I didn't realize Tori was with Buff the night before. 
Tori says, kids, uh, Tori said, Kidman has a small penis. Daphne and Crowbar came out. Happy as can be. Daphne's screaming, skipping. And hair looks nice. Wearing a grunge, wearing her grunge rocker outfit with Crowbar. No mention of David. No mention of Miss Hancock, except that Daphne won. So we're just going to pretend David Flair don't exist? Okay. Great. Crowbar versus Shane Douglas. The announcers talk about something else. Match of the night number one. They talk about the TNT movie Nuremberg. That will be airing in two parts next Sunday and Monday. This is the first bad sign for WCW. Well, okay, this is not the first bad sign. This is a bad sign for WCW that TNT is now broadcasting its own original content. Not the NBA Finals. Not the U.S. Open. Not the dog show. We made a movie. We know we've got this show every week on at this time, but screw it. We're putting our movie right there. They can air the next night if they really want to. And that's a bad sign. Shane pins Crowbar with a jumpy move. I thought he was going for rock bottom. He hooks him like a rock bottom. He jumps up. He lands on his knee and Canyon died. Or excuse me, not Canyon. Crowbar died. I don't know. Buff attack Shane post-match. And I believe won the beatdown. I didn't write it down. Pam's interviewing Kidman. He, in one sentence, calls Tori a skank, a gold digger, and sloppy seconds. Uh, dude, you're supposed to be the good guy here. I understand she she dumped you, but, you know, maybe she's got bad taste in men. And apparently you have a small penis. Sorry, bro. Jared arrives. He wants... Uh, a match with Booker. Why is he telling Pam this? Go tell Kat. Pam is not the Booker. Kidman attacks Jared, and you just hear Pam go, Scaredy! I want Pam to come back to TV today, and every time someone gets jumped, I want you to hear Pam run across the stream. Scaredy! I want to buy a Pam t-shirt that says security across the front. Pam could have made a billion dollars off this t-shirt. Smooth. You remember Smooth, the limo driver, the most important character in Nitro, apparently, arrives uh, in a limo, opens the door, and Tank and Three Count get out. Three Count is wearing tuxedos. They have their gold record for one, two, three. Tank is wearing tuxedo from the waist up and his, his MMA shorts from the waist down. They come to the ring. Uh, Tank wants to hang their album above the ring for the entire show. The young dragons run out. They kill three count. Tank kills all three dragons. And then the great Muta arrives. He mists Tank Abbott. And they steal the gold record. I got $10. Says we never hear about that gold record again on Monday Nitro. I will take up the first person. The first person. Who says I'll take that bet on Twitter this week. I will... PayPal you $10 if they follow up in any future Nitro with the gold record. Whoever gets there first, you're the one. Pam is backstage with Canyon. Canyon wants Booker T. No one killed Canyon. Goldberg arrived backstage. Jarrett versus Kidman. Kidman has returned to wearing his, his jorts in the ring before John Cena ever got a chance to. This is the announcer talking about something else. Match of the night number two. They're talking about Booker and Jarrett from the night before. Jeff distracts the ref when Shane Douglas comes out and kills Kidman. Tori gives him a low blow. Jarrett gets a two count 
from this distraction. Then he turns Kidman's Tornado DDT into the stroke for the win. Backstage, Steiner kills Canyon. Awesome is talking to someone they refer to... Oh, God. They refer to as Nitro Girl Beef. It's a large woman. You know, it it's a large lady. And I realized something. My God, I haven't missed the fat chick thriller, have I? I think, I don't know if I've missed that 70s guy, but I know I'm about to run into the fat chick thriller. And first, first of all, first of all, this is Mike Awesome, former ECW world heavyweight champion, legitimate tough guy. And your two big gimmicks for him were, one, he's stuck in the 70s, and two, he likes big women. What's so dang funny about that? Big women are great. I've been with big women. I've been with small women. It's great. It's it's great. If, if you don't... If you don't like big women, I don't understand you, because... I mean, they're they're fun. It's a lot of fun all around. And if that's what he likes, what business is of anybody's? Because the cat comes up and looks real suspicious, and the the other's like, "Oh, what what's going on here?" So my gosh, awesome likes big women. Let him like big women. And what's so dang funny about a big woman being attractive to Mike Awesome? I don't know if Mike Awesome's attractive. I don't think he is. But even if he was, what if he liked big women? I don't know. And they didn't even show us Nitro Girl Beef's face. And I, I'm looking up right now. Was this actually a Nitro Girl? Because, or do they just make a joke about, hey, there's a big woman, let's call her Beef. Let's see. Nitro Girls. Oh, they, oh apparently, several Nitro Girls started their own pop music band. I didn't know that. Fire. Burn, let's see, Fire, Spice, Storm, Storm was Charmel, Shay, and Tigress started their own girl group. That sounds hideous. Let me see, okay, Nitro Girl. Nitro Girl name, AC Jazz, not Beef, Baby, Beef. It's Rhonda Singh. Really? Rhonda Singh, one of the, one of the best women's wrestlers of the 80s and early 90s, and so you call her Beef and make her dance. You deserve to die, WCW, and, and I'm so glad that you did. Sweet Jesus. Cat uh, walks up, wants to give him the U.S. title. Mike says, no, if I'm going to win a title, if I'm going to have a title, I'm going to win it. I'm like, that's a very babyface thing for Mike Awesome to say. The heel? Didn't he just kill Canyon a couple months ago? Booker T walks down the hall. Booker versus Mike Awesome for the WCW title. Didn't even recap this match because for for a couple reasons. One, uh, it was fine. There was they didn't do anything major, but they didn't do anything wrong. Um, Booker won with the bookend in about nine minutes, no problem there. But they did uh, they they slid in a couple Hulk Hogan jabs. They said that the belt is no longer a prop because Hogan was, I believe, the one who said that kind of like a prop in a movie, the belt. And said that Booker T was a, and Mike Austin were both guys that showed up more than once a month to fight. Yep, that's a Hulk Hogan jab right there. 
Also, in the, earlier in the match, they said, could Booker T's reign be the shortest in WCW history? No. Because the night before, Hulk Hogan was world champion for 14 minutes. So, no. Booker T would not have the shortest reign ever in WCW. But not a bad match all the way around. Uh, as soon as the match is over, Steiner attacks Booker from behind, locks in the Steiner recliner, and Awesome saves Booker from Steiner, cementing his babyface turn. It's like they thought, well, we're making Scott a bad guy. Who did he fight last night? Mike Awesome? Make Mike Awesome a good guy. And give him a big lady. It sounds like a good deal to me. The cat walks down the hall. He goes to the ring, tells Steiner to knock it off and to come out to the ring right now. Steiner and Medeja come out. Everyone here seems so afraid of Scott Steiner. And great. If you're going to have a monster heel, let him be a monster heel. The cat says, I called you out here so I can take care of you myself. Sucker punches Scott Steiner. And in the list of smart things to do, that is not one of them. Steiner kills the cat. Booker runs down, saves uh, the cat or the cat from Scott Steiner. Jarrett and Canyon run down, kill Booker T. Uh, however, Booker does find it in himself to fight them both off. The cat gets to it and says, all right, y'all want to kill each other? Tonight in the main event, it's going to be Jarrett, it's going to be Canyon, it's going to be Steiner. The winner is the number one contender. Goldberg comes out to the stage, and I'm thinking, well, he's going to kill somebody and demand this match, or be in this match. No, he politely asks from the state, and he's a heel, remember, he's the bad guy. Hey, Cat, how about adding me to the match? And the cat goes, okay, you're in the match. And he says, thank you, and then walks off. What a horrible bad guy Goldberg turned out to be. Video package from earlier in the day. Norman is training Ralphus by having him run up and down the stairs. Up and down the stairs. He's going to kill He's gonna kill Ralphus. Norman and Ralphus apparently, although they make it clear at the beginning it's just Norman, but it during the match becomes Norman and Ralphus versus Vito for the hardcore title. They are make-believing that the match from the night before was not supposed to be well, it's not supposed to be Vito versus Johnny the Bull. Because if you remember, Johnny the Bull really, really hurt himself last week. They're trying to make it out that it was supposed to be Terry Funk and Big Vito. But then Terry Funk got injured, and then it became Norman and Ralphus. Why are they doing this? Probably covering their own tracks, so people aren't going back to find out what happened to Johnny the Bull. This match consisted of unprotected weapon shots to the head, at least a, at least a couple, fat jokes... Big Vito put a road cone between Ralphus's legs and hit it with a bat. <clears throat> there is no way to fake this. This hurt Ralphus quite a bit. He had a frog splash on Ralphus through a table. The ref dropped down the pin, and then Johnny the or then Big Vito just stood up so that uh, he could hit by a chair by Norman. He then fell on Ralphus and pinned Ralphus and retained the title. I, I don't know. Uh, without Terry Funk, this hardcore division sucks. We need Terry Funk. The Young Dragons attack the cat backstage, and like a kung fu movie, they attack him one at a time, and he kills them one at a time. No idea what, why. Last week he was propositioning them for something. They apparently didn't take him up on it, and now he's killing them. Pam, no, excuse me, not Pam, Paisley needs the artist's shirt pressed for a match. And then Kiwi tells her, no. And she's smitten with Kiwi. Do you? I don't know anything about this. This is where I really thought, did I miss a month's worth of shows? 
Because this character clearly has some sort of backstory that I've never seen. And I watch Nitro religiously now. What's going on? They didn't explain. Lenny Lane is in the crowd with a sign that says, Use me. Still, did I miss a month of shows? Lance Storm says he doesn't sing or dance, and I just thought, just you wait, Lance. He also says he's Canadian, and that makes him better at wrestling. There's an argument to be made there. He asks that everyone stand for the playing of O Canada. It's like, okay, well, the misfits are going to come out. They're going to interrupt him. Jim, Jim Duggan's alive is going to interrupt him. No, they played the entirety of O Canada, and then Lance Storm had a match with the artist. This match was fine. No, this match was not fine. This match was okay. Storm was great, and the artist was so bad it lowered the level from, from fine down to meh. Landstorm won by tapping out the artist with the rolling crap. They spent the entire match with Paisley on commentary talking up the artist. And Kiwi. Don't know why. A hearse arrives, Vampiro unloads a coffin. Ray, Hoovy, and Tigers come out and go to the commentary table. Juventud Guerrero on the commentary table is simultaneously the best and worst parts of Nitro every single week. Because he doesn't realize how microphones work. He thinks he has to yell as loud as he can so that I, in Kentucky, in the year 2019, will still hear him. He is yelling and speaking so fast that when he and Ray decided to interrupt this next match, I was so thankful. It is MIA versus Chronic for the tag team titles. They say that MIA won the tag team title shot last week on Thunder. No, they did not. They won it last week on Nitro. Chronic finally actually beat somebody for the titles. They didn't just steal them. They beat Meat Lumbo at the pay-per-view. About halfway through the match, Hoovy and Ray decide to interfere. uh, O'Hare and Jindrak stop them. Chronic wins with something that looked like it was going to be a heart attack or a doomsday device. But... Corporal Cajun slipped off of Chronic A's shoulders, and Chronic B nearly crushed his neck against the the canvas. So no one died, but this was real bad. Meet Lumbo beats down Chronic after the match. The MIA makes the save, and nothing was accomplished. Vampiro walks down the hall. They tell the story that Bam Bam Bigelow apparently saved a bunch of kids from a wildfire over the weekend and has second-degree burns on 40% of his body. Bam Bam Bigelow is a superhero. Jeez. Vampiro comes out the ring, says some stuff. The demon comes out of a casket. Apparently he is now under Vampiro's control because when Asia... The demon, you know, Del Torborg's real-life fiancé comes down to save him from Vampiro. He commands Del Torborg to choke her to death, which he begins to do, which is very uncomfortable in wrestling now. And Sting's, the lights go out, Sting's music plays. A guy with a bat, covered head to toe in black fabric, runs down to the ring, kills the demon, kills Vampiro, does the Stinger Splash and the Scorpion Death Drop, and they keep asking, could it be him? Is it him? It's Sting, you idiots. He's just not showing his face yet. Steiner versus Jeff Jarrett versus Canyon versus Goldberg for the number one contendership. There are only five minutes left in this Nitro when the bell rings to start this match. Steiner kills Canyon for a while. Goldberg and Jarrett tag in. Canyon tags back in. Goldberg hits him with a spear and a jackhammer. Steiner makes the save. Steiner and Goldberg brawl to the back. Jarrett pins Canyon, still dead from Goldberg's attack. Jarrett is your number one contender. Only six pages of notes because there wasn't anything to this show. I, I, 
after finishing NXTs, I thought, well, this show's going to have to be very bad to entertain me. And it wasn't bad enough. It was just bad. You ever go to a movie and it's so bad that you find yourself laughing and you're loving it? Suicide Squad was one of those for me. Naito was supposed to be like that. This just made me sad. This company that I once loved is putting out this garbage. And I hope that I don't have 33 or whatever more weeks of this quality. Because I won't make it. If it's this boring every week, I will quit. I will I will quit the reviews. I may quit the show. I may quit everything. I may just sit in the corner and wait for AEW to start. Well, that depressing note, this has been the Gift of Podcast. Sorry, I bummed everybody out right there at the end. My name is The Monday Night Delight. It has been a pleasure to be here with you. You can follow me at Gift of Podcast on the Twitter. You can follow all of our lovely Wrestle Addict radio guys at Addict Wrestle. You can find all of us there. Listen to all of our shows, Monday Night Delight. That'd be me. Every Monday, you get the Gift of Podcast. Every Wednesday, you get Not Your Mama So Barbara with Double F Double C. On Thursdays, no longer. Never mind. On Fridays, you get the Kings of the Ring podcast. On Saturdays, you get the Fourth Wall Wrestlecast. And on Sundays, now you get the real effing Game Changer, the Game Changer podcast. Go check those out every week. Subscribe to us on, on iTunes, on Google Play. You go to Anchor. I think we're gonna we're trying to get on Spotify. We've got lots of stuff going on. Check us all out. Follow us to f- make sure. And I will see you next time. Adios.